0: Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Let's get to our guest because it's time to get happy, everybody. Gretchen Rubin is a five time New York Times bestselling author. I said earlier, I feel like she is to happiness what Brene Brown is to vulnerability. So she's a podcaster, a speaker. And today, she's the most influential and thought-provoking observer of happiness and human nature, and her writing relentlessly explores human nature to understand how we can make our lives better. And so, Gretchen Rubin, you've got the pressure today to teach us how to be happy.
1: Uh, It's my favorite subject.
0: (laughs) She's like, I got this. I can do this blindfolded. (laughs) Yes, my favorite subject. How are you? I'm good. It's a strange time, but I'm doing very well. So, for someone who is a happiness expert, expert or the happiness expert, have you had unhappy moments during this whole pandemic? Oh, sure. I don't think that being
1: happy or trying to be happier means that you're happy 24 7 every day. I don't think that's realistic. I don't even think that would be a good life. So, certainly, I've had many. Uh, a lot of moments of unhappiness during this time. it's a very challenging time on so in so many ways so how uh,
0: do you, you get how do you get out of those unhappy moments? How do you get out of those kind of darker moments where the news now starts to seep in and affect you and the state of the world? How do you get yourself out?
1: One thing is exactly about what you just said—the news. Managing news, how much I'm taking in the news, because we all have a duty to keep ourselves well informed, obviously. And there were days, there have been days where you felt like, okay, every half an hour, like some there's some a major piece of news, but then it's very easy to fall into just over-consuming, kind of opinion and takes, and it's not really educating me. It's just maybe dragging me down or causing me to ruminate in a way that isn't helpful. So I try to be very aware um, of how I take a news. I tend to get news from newspapers, which I like partly because it's cold. It's very analytical. Mm-hmm. It tends to be more information dense, less emotional, and it's finite. Like you can come to the end of a newspaper. You cannot come to the end of your newsfeed. Um, my husband did something interesting. Right when everything was at its most intense, he wakes up low. Some people wake up high. I'm a really more. I'm a real morning person myself. He wakes up low, and he realized that he was getting up and looking at the news, and it was just like really hard to recover from that. So what we started doing is I always walk our dog Barnaby first thing in the morning, and so he didn't check the news until noon, and he would come out with me and walk Barnaby, which he usually didn't do. So he got a little bit of exercise, a little bit of conversation, some time with our dog, which he loved. Being outside in the sunlight, getting a little bit of movement, all these things are good for energy and cheer and focus and then giving himself, getting his day started before he jumped into the news. And that was really helpful. He doesn't really need to do it as much anymore, though he's still, we're still walking Barnaby together. Um, because sometimes I think we feel like we can't help what's in our environment. But often there are strategies that we can use to shape our environment in a way that can help us to be happier.
0: So teach us how to do that. I've watched your YouTube videos and you do talk about movement and singing. So if you can go through the steps for everybody, if they want to Mm. access happiness in their life, how if you could describe that for people.
1: Do you want like the big overarching themes or do you want like the emergency toolkit if you need to do something in the next 10 minutes?
0: Let's do both. Let's start with the emergency (laughs) toolkit because everyone's in, a lot of people are in 911 moments. Let's go for it.
1: Yes, exactly. That's why I put together the list. So these are things that you could do right now that are going to give you a boost. This is not the deep work. These are not the long-term things. These are the short-term things. These are the band-aids that you can use right now. So one is you mentioned movement. So go outside for a 10 minute walk, do 10 jumping jacks. I find that getting my feet off the floor, it's energetic, it's playful, it's goofy. I constantly tell my daughters, do 10 jumping jacks if they're feeling low, but a little bit of walking does is so great for our energy and focus, and also just getting out in the sunlight. We spend most of our time indoors, and even in a brightly lit room, it's a much dimmer environment than if you went outside on even a very overcast day, and that light goes right into our eyes. It's helpful for our circadian rhythm and all kinds of things that are happening in our body, and it will improve our mood, our, our energy, our immune function, which everybody's focused on right now another thing is music listening to your favorite upbeat music is one of the quickest easiest ways to intervene in your mood a lot of people have i have a podcast with my sister called happier and we invited listeners to send their favorite songs like their go-to song and so there's a happier 911 playlist that we put together and this is everybody's mm. if you have that one song that you play when you need your your walk on music or whatever because that's very easy another thing is to do something nice for someone else do good feel good it really works if you can do a little good deed for someone else even as small as oh you're looking for a good novel let me recommend a great novel doing something small for someone else or something big for someone else makes us our lives reflect our values and it also just makes us feel good it's one of the nicest things about human nature is that it makes us feel good to do to make other people happier another thing to do is just to connect with someone else and this is true even for introverts having a moment of connection tends to boost our mood and this is even something as simple as you know having, saying a quick hello to a clerk in a store or like where I live, like everyone's wearing masks all the time. And so people are really going out of their way to wave and to smile big so that we have the sense of friendliness on the street in this time. And these little moments of connection with other people, stopping to talk to someone's dog, things like that. They really do boost our mood. So these are things you can do very quick. Oh, and one of my favorite things is to connect with your body through smell. I love the sense of smell. Smell a bottle of vanilla, smell your fresh dog. You do. Oh, my oh let's God. talk about smell.
0: Yesterday, I was so a little powerful. bit sad and I, I walked over to my jasmine, and there's just a few left. And I went and <sighs> I inhaled, and I literally said, Thank you, God, for leaving a few on here for me.
1: <laughs> it is like there's nothing like. And that's one of the things I feel so sorry, because my next book is all going to be about the body and reaching the mind through the senses. And one thing I've been so sad about is realizing that one of the symptoms of COVID-19 is this loss of smell and taste. Sometimes last, sometimes it's an early symptom, but sometimes it's really lasting. And when you pay attention to how much these senses enliven our lives, mm-hmm. sen- it sounds like you and I are very tuned into s- scent, But people take it for granted. They don't realize, like, when people lose their sense of scent, uh, their sense of smell, they really experience a loss and often go into depression. It messes with their appetite. it It messes with their relationships. They feel disconnected from other people because they're not connected by smell. So. It is one thing that it's easy to ignore it. It can fade into the background. But if you dial into it, if you really take the moment to smell the jasmine, right? You can stop and smell the roses. You can stop and smell the jasmine. You can stop and smell a bottle of cinnamon, which I like to do. Mm. Baby powder, your husband's shaving cream, all these things. These are wonderful. I just bought a, a, I was in the grocery store. I almost never go to the grocery store. so It's like really exciting now. And they have a bar (laughs) of lava soap which was what my grandfather used when I was little because he was an engineer on the Union Pacific Railroad. So he needed it for his hand. I was like, I'm going to buy this soap just so I can feel it and smell it and be taken back to my childhood. Yeah. And it was like so exciting to do that. And all I did was pay attention to a bar of soap.
0: I know scent is major for me. I have the most powerful nose.
1: Ooh. And
0: so it's my alert <laughs> as yes. well as it's my joy. And so, for me going out on a hike, I smell every smell that's out there. Like those plants that kind of smell cinnamony, that gives me like the greatest joy. But I also have this thing where I I walk a certain path in my neighborhood where there are a lot of older homes because the older homes have old rose bushes that smell. The new rose bushes Mm -hmm. don't smell, right?
1: That so, is such a shame, right? It's like yeah. the same with tomatoes. Yeah.
0: Oh, the garden, yes. I inhale well, everything in the garden. So I run across the street. I go back and forth to just sniff all the neighbors' roses. Sometimes I have to go up their path and it's a little awkward because then I see them in the window and I'm like, hi, just sniffing your roses. And my husband thinks sniffing. I'm a crazy person, but it gives me so much joy. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiejis, what do you have? is using the Whey hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with way. Go to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yes.
1: Interesting. I read this thing of breeding sentence and certain things for durability and and like shelf life and things and it turns out it's very um energy uh it's very costly for plants to create smells and so they, if they breathe the smell out, then the plant has can redirect those resources elsewhere. It's meant to make the plant more vital um and yet, I feel like I want where are the roses of yesteryear or the lilacs mm-hmm. and the thing about perfume and and beautiful smells is you can't glut yourself on it. you can't yeah. overdo it. you can't bookmark it, you can't save it for later. You can't procrastinate. It's like now, and you can't even keep enjoying it for very long it's it's a it grounds you in now. In a way that very few things do. You can have too many chocolate chip cookies, and you can watch you can binge watch something for too long, but you can't smell a good smell. What for more than t- probably five, 10 minutes, and then that nose fly that you just lose the ability to smell it.
0: Yeah, Kelsey, I actually, just rem- I remember you went on one of those hikes with me. I was sad one day, and I'm like. Let's just take our scooters and race around the neighborhood and smell roses.
2: I literally just said that to Ryan. I said, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I, but honestly, Maria, you were the one who turned me on to that. I'll pull Jasmine off and sit there and smell it. And it I'm huge with smell too. It helps so much. I don't know if it's both the, the deep breathing as well as the smell, but oof. yeah. yeah. And it it's nature.
0: Like nature makes me so happy. And so I feel like... When I I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and one of the things that we talked about was how can you access happiness really quickly in your life? And that stuck with me because happiness, I think sometimes we equate it with expensive events, Disney World or a vacation or things like that. So I had to re reconfigure my brain to say, okay, here's a list of things that if I'm unhappy, I can shift really quickly with these few things. And so I made the list and it was like smelling flowers, going for a walk, hugging my dogs, looking for butterflies or looking, going out into nature and taking my shoes off and walking in grass. And so I kept that list until I made it a habit. And so now when I'm unhappy, it's a habit. I know, okay, this is an emotion I don't really want to sit in right now. And I'm going to go access my happiness for free because it's available and it's possible.
1: Well, I think that's really important because I think sometimes people feel like unhappiness or happiness just washes over you and you just have to take whatever it comes instead of realizing there's a lot of things that we can do. Now, some circumstances are beyond your control, but there are many things that you can control. Just like you say, if you're like, I'm going to feel better if I like take off my shoes and walk around outside in the fresh green grass, and that's gonna that's something that you can do. That's something that you can control. And even having a sense of control makes people feel happier. Mm-hmm. And so even the idea like, Oh, I would like to change something. I would like to do something that itself will be reassuring to you to realize that there's things that you can do. I think it's great. I think everyone should have a long list of healthy treats and they have to be healthy treats like washing, walking, you know, smelling Jasmine um, because you don't want to do something to make yourself feel better that then just ends up making you feel worse in the long run, like the extra brownie Mm -hmm. or the impulse purchase or the extra glass of wine you want, you want these things that are going to make you happier in the long run, but having a big list like that, that you can go to when you feel like you need to give yourself a little bit of a charge. I think that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. And I like keeping it on the refrigerator because that's usually we're going to go to when you're unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> and you are like, Oh, cause I don't need that Snickers ice cream bar. I'm going to go for a hike.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it is attempting to reach for the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you've spent your life researching happiness. So the things that you're mentioning are researched. They're not just opinions. These are like heavily researched solutions. And so let's go into kind of the deeper happiness. We went through the 911, but overall to have a more happy life and maybe joyful life and Like you said, it can't always be that. And by the way, contrast is so important because without the contrast, you wouldn't know what happiness is.
1: Yeah, if you were going to say, what's the secret to happiness? I think you could answer that question in two ways, depending on kind of what angle you take on the question. And the first, ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists agree that to be happy we, had to, we have to have strong relationships with other people. We need to feel like we belong. We need to be able to confide. We need enduring intimate bonds. We need to be able to get support. And just as important for happiness, we need to be able to give support. And when scientists study people who say that they're very happy, what they see is these are people who have a lot of deep relationships in their lives. Now, of course, people are different. Some people wanna go into a big cocktail party. Some people wanna sit down and have coffee with one friend. People have different social energies. But this need for enduring social bonds is something that everyone shares, and so it's part of our nature, our human nature, is you know, we're, to connect with other people. And so if you're thinking about what to do to be happier, anything that broadens our relationships or deepens our relationships is probably something that's going to make us happier, whether that's joining a book group or – Spending the money to go to your college reunion or organizing a, a party or going to that Zoom call, even though you feel Zoomed out, these are things that are going make probably going to make us happier. Now, the other way you could answer the question about what is the secret to happiness is self-knowledge, um, because each of us is different. There's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, to you, nature sounds really important. To other people, nature is not that important. Mm-hmm. I have a friend and she said, oh, Gretchen, I hate the outdoors. And I was like, can you do that? Uh, like, my husband. Sure
0: you can. My husband. Yeah. He wants to be in front right. of a TV. <laughs> so for some people,
1: music. For some people, travel. For some people, cooking. There's And then there are certain things that are, like I said, everybody needs relationships. But what that might look like for a person might be very different from one person to another person. So we each have to figure it out our, for ourselves. So we have to know ourselves. And you think, well, what's easier than knowing yourself? You just hang out with yourself all day long. And yet often we're distracted by the way we wished we were or with the way we think we ought to be or what other people expect from us or want from us. Um, and so I often like I'm looking for kind of indirect questions to give me insight into the truth about myself, maybe things that I don't recognize or don't even want to recognize um, because it's only by recognizing
0: what's true about ourselves can
1: we make a life that reflects our own interests, our own temperament, our own values.
0: I have to ask, the first thing you talked about was having strong bonds and strong relationships. How many people would you say? Sometimes I feel like I have this conversation with a lot of people, even with myself, like, how many people are you supposed to have as those close friends? Because sometimes I say to a lot of my friends, I'm like, you're lucky if you have one true confidant that you can really say everything that you feel to is it supposed to be more or is one enough?
1: I don't think that there's one answer for that because I think people really do have different needs and different desires. I'm not sure I have anybody in my life who I think I would tell anything to, maybe my sister, but no, definitely not my sister. So maybe I don't have a big desire to disclose my deepest, darkest thoughts. But then I don't know if you saw the television show Transparent, but one of the things that struck me is how those two sisters and brothers, they told each other stuff. I was like, I can't believe that they're just casually telling each other these things. And so it's interesting how people have, so I don't think there is one answer. I think some people want to have many friends. Some people want to have one best friend. Some people really want a romantic relationship or other people a romantic relationship isn't as important. And here's something interesting for many people, Having an animal in their life is really an important kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Many people feel like there's nothing that they wouldn't do to have a dog or, or less conveniently to have a horse. There is that group of people that are like, they really want to be around horses, which dogs are easier. Cats are easier. I have a dog and I was surprised by, we got a dog five years ago, how much happier our family was, like how much happiness. Even though all the research shows, oh, dogs make people happier. I'm like, wow, this is really true. But for some people, it's like a, it's like a hunger. It's like they, they just, they pine for that. And if that's true for you, then I think that would be something that you would want. Whereas for someone else, it might be nice the way that it is for me. Like I enjoy it. And then for other people, they'd say, I would prefer to have more freedom and not to have the responsibility of a pet or an animal in my life. And so for me, it's not the right, it's not the right decision. So I think there's not a, there's not a blueprint. It's more like a toolkit. You pick the tools that work for you, but there's not like one, one, one size fits all.
0: I like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. My, my dogs are my everything. Mm. And and for me, it's nature and animals. Those are the two things that make me the happiest.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well see. And you know that about yourself and because you have that clarity of your own values that that can, okay. You're going to move. Are you going to have a backyard? It sounds like you're probably going to want to have a backyard. You know what I mean? Whereas for somebody else, they'd be like, why don't I get an apartment that I don't have to worry about my yard? Yeah. Once you know these things about yourself, it's much easier to... But on the other hand, we don't want those to become limitations because sometimes people get identities that lock them in or can even trap them. So that's part of the tension. You want to know yourself but you also want to be willing to change and grow. We want to accept ourselves, but we also want to expect more from ourselves. So there's, you can't figure it out and stop thinking about it. It's it's the challenge of our whole life.
0: We evolve. So like for me, I remember after I had surgery three years ago, I wanted to, you've talked about this in your YouTube talks, is I wanted to shed everything. I'm like, get rid of all the materials. They're weighing me down. They're forcing me to have to Work to support all these things. I'm gonna move into a like little condo, keep it simple and not have the stress of this, these burdens. And my husband was looking at me, he's I don't know if you're gonna be happy without the trees and the yard and the grass. And I think that as you evolve, you can make sacrifices for the different reward, right? So for me, yes, I could see that maybe I would be sad if I left a property that gave me those scents and that happiness. But if I moved somewhere where I didn't have all the stress and the burdens and the worries, and then it gave me more freedom to go access those other things, whether it's getting a condo somewhere in the mountains where I could hike and have that feeling anytime I wanted, you can do it in different ways rather than pigeonholing yourself. I'm sure you've heard about probiotics. We recently partnered with Just Thrive. Tina Anderson is the mastermind behind this extraordinary product. Why do we need a probiotic? The world we're living is so disruptive to our gut
2: health. From antibiotics that we take, from Roundup that's sprayed out over our food supply, to stress, we see symptoms like gas and bloating, diarrhea, constipation, skin
0: rashes, autoimmune issues and allergies, mood disorders. So anxiety, depression, all of those types of issues are stemming from our imbalance in our gut. And the thing about Just Thrive Probiotic is you don't have to refrigerate it to be a probiotic, it needs to be alive in your intestines, not alive in the refrigerator. And most of those probiotics in the refrigerator actually don't make it to the intestines alive, which is the goal. If We couple the Just Thrive probiotic and the Just Calm, what do we get? We know the probiotic alone is helping with the leakiness of the gut and helping all other types of things in our, with our overall health. But we know now we add the Just Calm, it's helping with our mood. Guys, Just Thrive is a game changer. If you're ready to take control of constipation, bloat, and stress, and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive probiotic today. Just visit JustThriveHealth.com and use the promo code HEALSQUAD. You won't regret it. dollars a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.
1: I know exactly what you mean because before the COVID situation happened, I was going to the Metropolitan Museum every day. I was going to do it every day in 2020. And one of the things I love about the Met is the more I went, the more I felt like it was mine. Like I inhabited it because I was there so much and yet I had no responsibility. I'm like, I wouldn't want a valuable painting. I'd have to insure it. I'd have to light it. I'd have to frame it. Like, where would I put it? Who wants all that? Yeah. I wouldn't even want it if you gave it to me for free. It's too much responsibility. But this way it's, I can enjoy it all and it's, I can ju- And I live right. I'm so fortunate. I live very close to the Met. It's right there. Yeah. But I just walk away. It's like a, And I live right by Central Park and I'm like, I'll, oh, I go to Conservatory garden and it's this beautiful cultivated garden with all these plantings and everything, and I walk through it and I enjoy it, and then I wave my hand goodbye and go back and don't have to like manage it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to deadhead a plant, yeah, and so I think you're right. I think sometimes you can you don't have to you can find different ways to get to whatever it is that makes you happy. You don't necessarily have to own it all or buy it or have it right under your roof in order to take advantage of it. And this is I love to read. And that's what I love about the library. It's I don't i I can just take it and then return it. I don't even have to find a place for it on my shelf. Yeah. Yeah. So there is great joy in that. You as well. talk
0: about happiness as a spectrum. Can you get into that for us a little bit? I think sometimes people think of happiness as
1: okay, this is what is happiness. I need to be a 10 on the one to ten scale and I should be there all the time. But really, happiness, they say, research suggests that it's about 50% genetically determined. So some people are born Tiggers and some people are born Eeyores, and we see that in the world. That's hardwired. Then about 10 to 20% is something called life circumstances. So that's age, health, marital status, occupation, education, things like that. And then all the rest is within very much influenced by our conscious thoughts and actions. So that's the kind of thing where you're like, I'm going to take a walk and smell a lot of old roses that's something that you're deciding to do. It's going to affect your happiness, but it's within your conscious control.
2: All right, we're back, you guys. That was crazy. All
0: right. So there was a mild power outage. All of a sudden, I started seeing things flickering, and I'm like, what's happening? And then boom, <laughs> we're gone, but we're back. we back. Like the Terminator. So Gretchen, let's start back where we were a minute before that. So you talk about happiness drum. Yeah, research suggests that about 50% of happiness
1: is genetically determined. So some people are born Tiggers, some people are born Eeyores, and that's pretty much hardwired. Then about 10 to 20% is something called life circumstances. That's things like education, occupation, marital status, health. And then all the rest is very much influenced by our conscious thoughts and actions, like your decision to go outside for a walk and smell some old rose bushes. That's something that you decided to do. You knew it would make you happier, and so you did it. So for all of us, I think that's where we can really concentrate because that's where we can influence that range. One person might be a 7 to a 10. Another person might be 4 to 7. But we all have things that we can do within our control, within our conscious thoughts and actions that can make sure that we're staying up at the top of our range instead of pressing ourselves down to the bottom of our range. Got it.
0: You talk a lot about some simple things that you can do to be happy. I was watching one of your videos and you were talking about sleeping and how important sleep (laughs) is, Uh hanging, moving. Can you go through the list of things that we all pretty much know, but we don't abide by, right? I feel like there should be some like non-negotiables in life, like the seven hours of sleep, There might be moments, but you can't let it become more than a moment.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I read a book called Better Than Before that's all about habits, how we can make or break our habits. And, and I found 21 strategies that people use, and that seems like a lot, but it's good because some work really well for some people and not very well for others. And some we can use at some time in our lives, but not at others. But one of the strategies is the strategy of foundation. And that's the four things that really lay the groundwork for self-mastery. If you get these things under control, it's a lot more likely that you're going to feel happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative, and that you're going to be able to get yourself to do other things that are probably going to contribute to your happiness. And you mentioned a bunch of them, just like in a flash. One is getting enough sleep. We all know we need it, mm-hmm. at least seven hours for most adults. And yet it's very easy to stay up too late, to be awake with racing thoughts, or to have irregular sleep, which is called social jet lag, which is basically the way you sleep on Thursday is so different the way you sleep on Saturday. It's as if you're flying from one coast to the other coast every weekend. Things like Going to sleep at the same time. I think it's really helpful for adults to give themselves a bedtime, just like you would give a toddler a bedtime, give yourself a bedtime, maybe set an alarm for your bedtime. I started getting ready for bed far before I planned to go to sleep so that because I realized sometimes I was so tired that I couldn't face like washing my face and taking out my contact lenses, so I just stayed up. Which is this not good? I, it's not rational. <laughs> so I get ready well before I'm going to go to sleep. So one is sleep. Another is exercise. And exercise is like the magical elixir of life. It both calms us and energizes us. Sometimes people think that they're too tired to exercise. But in fact, unless you're exercising really at the extreme, exercise tends to boost energy instead of draining energy. And so feeling kind of sluggish or listless is a reason to exercise, mm-hmm. not a reason to skip exercising. Um, and the health effects of, of exercise is just a day you open up the New York Times and there's a new study, memory, immune function, focus, memory, all these things. We just need exercise to help our bodies work properly and our minds work properly. And and what's really reassuring is that you get the biggest gains going from being completely sedentary to only slightly less sedentary. And so you do not need to go for an hour spin class or train for the marathon. If you go for a 20 minute walk every day, you, it's amazing, it, it, it has extraordinary health benefits on the happier podcast. My sister and I, for 2020, we challenged all of our listeners to walk 20 minutes for every day in 2020. And people have walked a thousand miles, their dogs have lost weight. It's it really and once you start, it's so much easier to get going. So, exercise. And another one is eating. And it's funny, sometimes one of the reasons people overeat is they haven't eaten enough. So you skip breakfast, you skip lunch, and then you're so hungry, you just go running to the vending machine and you, you just can't resist what's there.
0: Poor choices. Um, so, <laughs> what? You Then you reach for the poor choice because you're so hungry.
1: Because you're like, oh, it's too much trouble to pull together something or cook something. I just yeah. need to grab something out of a crackly package in a vending machine. Making sure you don't get too hungry. Another thing is drinking. Part of the reason drinking is fun is because it lowers inhibitions. When you're trying to eat healthy and maintain to reach your happiness, a lot of times drinking can encourage sort of things that in the long run are not going to make us happier. And then the final thing, which I think is less obvious than the other three, but I've heard it over and over from people, and I certainly feel this way myself, and it sounds like maybe you have this aspect to your nature as well, which is outer order. For so many people, outer order contributes to inner calm and inner energy and inner focus. Over and over, People will tell me the most important thing I do for my happiness project is to make my bed every day. It's not the most significant thing you can do, but it is something that makes people feel like it just makes me feel better every day. A friend of mine said, I finally cleaned out my fridge and now I know I can switch careers. And I thought, I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. And you see this right now with the pandemic, many, a friend of mine how brilliant is this? The, right when it started, her three sons came home, the grown sons came home from college and being grown-ups came back home. So she rented a dumpster. And every weekend, 10 weeks of the time that she was safer at home, they went through closets, the basement, the garage, and she put her sons to work, putting stuff in the dumpster and putting stuff to the side so that they could donate when everything opened up again. And I'm like, that's genius, yeah. right? Because she made good use of this time and I'm sure it was very comforting to I can't control the virus, but I can control my coat closet and just like creating that elbow room and creating that order. But the genius was to get the dumpster. That was she'd lived in that house for twenty five years in the summer. And so she said it needed a dumpster.
0: Oh, so. I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? My husband and I think it was last summer. We allowed my brother to move in to our home on the East Coast with my parents for, it was supposed to be a short time while his place was being renovated. It ended up being a year and he's a hoarder. So we went back to our house and it was packed to the gills, like with just junk, just like he's the type of person who finds, this was an example, a basketball rim on the side of the road that someone's thrown out and they threw it out because it's bent. I don't know if you know anything about basketball, but you can't get a ball into a bent rim. And he brought it home and said, oh, I thought this would be great. We could put it up and we could have a basketball net. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. My husband had to make, I think it was 30 something trips to the dump wow. with a long van packed all the way around his head just with just trash. And yeah. so I totally wow. understand that feeling. And she must have been so happy when it was done. And we talk about yeah. organization And order being such a big key to happiness. I've written it in my books because for me, it is true. I need order in my house. The second I'm seeing a mess, I'm unhappy. I need my counters clean. I need my kitchen clean. Everything has to be in its place. I make my bed every morning, whether I like it or not. I do it because I want to come back at night and see a freshly made bed. And I want to feel good about getting into bed. It doesn't feel good when you see a sloppy bed and trying to get into that.
1: I feel exactly the same way. And what's funny to me is my sister is she's one of these people who I call clutter blind. They are the small category of people who they don't see clutter. It does not bother them. They don't care. Yeah. And whenever I go over to my sister's house, I beg her to let me like, can I clean up your office? Can I clean out your closet? And she lets me because she knows how much fun it is for me. She doesn't really care. I mean, on balance, she's sure it's nice, but it doesn't back up on her the way it would with me she wouldn't close a kitchen cabinet door Oh my God. ever if she lived oh. by herself. Just, I, don't, I don't even see it. And I'm like, this pile of mail on your counter is like weighing on my soul. I can't sleep at night if I know uh-huh. that it's here with all the junk mail in with the bills. Like we got to yep. do this right now. She doesn't feel it. And I, it took me a long time to understand some people, just don't see it. And this can lead to a lot of conflict if you like live with someone or work with somebody who like is like this. But I realize it's really just a preference. No one's right, no one's
0: wrong. We have to find a way. No, I don't think so. Okay, I have a very important question to ask you. So in your research were and have you done the research on this specific area? I find the most successful people are organized no in my experience uh, there's
1: a wonderful book by mason curry jeff's gonna stay
0: a slob in that office now
1: fuck oh no but this book by mason curry daily rituals what he does is he it's not really daily rituals it's really daily habits and he goes through the daily habits of more than 100 highly creative successful people scientists painters choreographers writers And what is that? Some stay up super late and some wake up super early, and some work alone in the shed, and some work in the middle of a crowded studio, and some drink coffee, and some drink vodka, and some are very messy, and some are super tidy. And what they have in common is that they figured out what they need and they get it. If they need solitude, they get solitude. If they need a crowd, they put themselves in a crowd and they so they are they know what is the environment that allows them to do their best work and then they cultivate that but the idea that if you look at the people who are the most successful you'll see this it's because if you look at that book and i think I, anybody that you say i could say okay but what about blah 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 now and it doesn't and it doesn't matter to me individually or you individually because what i care about is what about me and you care about what about you and maybe i care about my husband or my if he if he's lucky if i'm taking an interest but I don't think that it's possible. And even if you could say, okay, 80% of the people who are highly successful, according to any measure, are highly organized. That doesn't tell you anything if you're one of the 20%. And it doesn't really tell you anything other than people are different. Most people are right-handed, but I'm one, of the ten, one out of every 10 that's left-handed. Am I wrong? No, I just do things in a different way. No one's right, no one's wrong. But we have to figure out a way that right-handed people and left-handed people can make use of a uh, a writing desk, which I can tell you from college, there was not enough attention paid to left-handed people at that yeah. time. Now, fortunately, that we type,
0: it doesn't matter if you're left-handed or right-handed. Okay. Well, how, what is the percentage of successful hoarders?
1: Hoarding <laughs> is really a mental it's a mental illness. Okay. Um, there's pack rats. There's people who are very sentimental and have a hard time getting rid of things. Hoarding is really something different and feeds into other kinds of issues that people face. Mm -hmm. It isn't part of the kind of ordinary spectrum. It's something different. Okay. Okay. And I think what you described is not in what a person would say is ordinary pack ratness.
0: Yeah. No, I'm thinking about all the people in my life right now. There are many people in my head as I'm asking some of these questions, but I wonder when you think of-
1: There are checklists for hoarding. If you're wondering, is this person like a true hoarder? there's it's pretty easy that's very identified yeah. i
0: was obsessed with the show so i think i've got the checklist down at this point i thought that show was eventually i couldn't watch it anymore it was i couldn't watch it yeah it was like yeah. the news it just got too depressing but it was a novelty at first i do think that when whenever we have organization experts or time management experts you get to see that people who are disorganized spend a lot more time on things than organized people because they're sloppy. And so I feel like there is something there. What you consider consider disorganized, would they say that it's
1: disorganized? Because they might say, I know where everything is in all these piles and I don't have to look for something. And I feel like unexpected juxtapositions stimulate my creativity. Because I I think a lot of times when people set up this research, they set it up to suit themselves. Like the people who become organization experts are the kind of people who love Marie Kondo. It's just like the way, you, uh, well, I won't even get into like moderators and abstainers. But, but and also I think sometimes like organization itself, it's like, what do you mean by that? One of the ways I think about it is simplicity lovers and abundance lovers. So clearly you and I are simplicity lovers. We like things being organized, probably lots of clear counters, bare shelves, a lot of room, a lot of room in the closet, a lot of, and I, at least for me as a simplicity lover, I don't like a lot of buzz. I don't like a lot of profusion. I like things very quiet and calm. But abundance lovers, they like collections and profusions Ah! and a lot going on and Ah! pearls and like collections and like a lot of stuff on the, you know, on the counter. And it's not, or like I walked into a friend's kitchen and lined up on her counter. It was like. A spoon stand, a bottle of Advil, uh, a couple bottles of like fancy olive oil. I mean, it, it was all out, and I'm like, "Ooh, can we just put this in a cabinet, <laughs> clear off your counter?" She's no, I like having it out. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah. She says it's more convenient for her. She sees it as right out there. I'm like putting it behind a cabinet. Arguably, my way is less convenient. So. It's not that one person's right and one person's wrong, it's that I think there are preferences. Now, are there people who are disorganized and who can never find anything? Of course you're right, yeah. there are. And there are people who cannot find their keys to save their lives and you think, and I'm exasperated by those people as much I as, I 100% agree. So like everything, every medicine can become poison and mm-hmm. everything can become too much. But I do think, I do see where if there's a boss like me, who's a simplicity lover, it's very tempting to walk around the office and say things like, a cluttered desk means a cluttered mind. Get all this stuff yes, away. Yes, that's, well, that's me and Kevin. For me. That's the environment that works for me.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't mean it's necessarily the best environment for someone else. Interesting. And I think often we want to argue, I'm right, you're wrong.
0: When really it's like this works for me, what works for you? I'm so getting checked right now. This is hilarious. Um, oh, okay. I, no, poor Jeff is. I'm vindicated. Oh, I get it. I'm
1: leave glad. My shit
0: everywhere and blah.
1: <laughs> no, but I'm not saying just it's clutter. Is clutter is things that you don't need, don't use, don't love, or things that yeah. are completely out of place. But I think a lot of things that to you and me would look cluttered, do not seem cluttered to the person who owns them. My daughter mm-hmm. is an abundance lover. She's 15 years old. I walk into her room and I'm like. It's like my eyeballs hurt because yeah. it's this stuff everywhere. But she's deliberately put everything. She loves the way it looks. It's carefully arranged. If I move one thing she knows, <laughs> it's not clutter to her. Yeah. It's mindful, it's
0: purposeful, it's pleasing. And I, it's not inconvenient for her. It doesn't get in her way or slow her down. I get it because when I first met my husband I remember actually when we first lived in our, we lived in our first house and we were moving, he looked at me and he goes, you poor thing. And there were like a million to-do lists. And and I'm like someone, my shadow self is a mess, right? So like my, if I was to do shadow work, it's because I know I'm raging against the side of me that is disorganized and the daughter of hoarders. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I'm always raging against it because it doesn't make me feel good. And I know it's not how I want to be. So I have to rage against and work so hard to keep it away. So, yeah.
1: So then for you, it might really be upsetting to be, not just annoying, but oh, actually no, it makes like, me want to throw up. Like a grating noise that you can't stand.
0: Yes, because I To be around
1: that environment. And again, that's just to say, for whatever reason, I can't work like this. Yeah. And so. Can you please try to respect that out of consideration, not yeah. because I'm right and you're wrong, but out of consideration because this is how I can do my best work. And often people will say, "I'm not going to concede that you're right, but I'm happy to do things that will make this more comfortable for you." Yeah, because I'm a nice person. Yeah, and that's very different
0: so from before, saying. There's an answer. Move on from this subject because my husband is going to say, "I don't believe this. I believe we're right," and disorganized people work the hardest, I just want you to tell me from your research that we are correct or we are wrong.
1: I don't see the word disorganized is is ambiguous, because I don't know (laughs) by disorganized. Do you mean hot messes in the wrong place?
0: People who are a hot mess.
1: And their shit's everywhere. My sister is the most cluttery person that I know. And she's incredibly effective and successful. Like, she might say, Why would I spend a half an hour of useful time a day closing kitchen and cabinet doors and sorting out my mail when I could spend that time doing something else? You know what I mean? Or she, Maybe they're just, happier. She's happier for her. I wouldn't be happier like that. <laughs> but it's like, but I don't understand why it has to be a rule that's true for everyone. Yeah. No,
0: I just thought my husband has brainwashed me into believing that. So I thought it was true. I blame him. Um, I mean, looking for lost objects is—that's not good for anyone. And
1: there are people like you, most people can use systems to find things, and then some people really can't. Um, but then there's usually workarounds. Like, there's a—gosh, I forget what it's called. Maybe you know it. It's—you put it on your keychain. Oh on, yeah, like, your keys or, or your wallet or your phone or anything that you lose, and then you can activate it. And so it's like your phone that can—you because it's like some people just cannot remember where they put things. Yeah. And they can't put it in the key bowl every time or whatever. So there's workarounds for people who really can't. But disorganized it's kind of, it's if the person themselves is saying I am disorganized or you're saying you're disorganized. Cuz a lot of times you tell people they're disorganized and they're like but I'm not disorganized. Haven't you been in or- in arguments like that? Oh yeah. Some people admit it and some people are like no, it's totally I it's organized for me. So, yeah. If you can always find things when you want them. What's the issue? Why do I have to tell you that you have to use an alphabetical filing system? Yeah, this
0: is so true and very educational. I never would have thought that this was the conversation we were going to have today. And (laughs) I think it's really important. My heart is with you.
1: That is where my heart is. I am with you 100%. I am so judgy in my own life. Like I want everybody. It's very hard for me not to tell people to like clear their counters.
0: Yeah, my sister. Yeah, no, I get it. Before I before we go, though, and I feel like we're going to have to hopefully try to get you on this show more, because I think you have so much important information for our for our listeners. But one of the things you said that struck me so much, and I think is so important, especially for women, you were talking about stressful periods in one's life, and the instinct to unload and you talk about rather than unloading, adding more work, like challenging work that can give you more novelty. So to do more, not less, this blew me away and I, I can't let you go without understanding this.
1: Oh, this is this sort of counterintuitive thing that I first noticed in my own life and then I realized that it was... it. That A lot of people experience this is exactly what you're saying. When we feel overwhelmed, when we feel burnt out, a lot of times the instinct is to say, okay, I got to throw stuff overboard. I've got to eliminate. I've got to get off these positions. I got to get off these boards. I got to quit this committee. I've got to turn down this assignment. I need to lighten my load. And sometimes that's absolutely true. However, I've often experienced myself, and I know many people, and I've talked to many people who have experienced the same thing, is that sometimes by reaching out for something new, something exciting, something challenging, we it's that weird thing of there's always somehow more time if you have more. It's, you break your leg and you're like, I don't have time for this, and it's but somehow magically you have time if you have to have time. You add something, and it can be a source of energy and excitement, and again, that sense of self-control and self-efficacy that's so exciting, And sometimes just the novelty of something and the challenge of, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this. I've talked to so many people where it's like they were really burnt out and really overwhelmed. So they added something like a side hustle. Many people have side hustles. And what they find is like they have their day job and now they have a side hustle too. And yet they feel energized by it. And they feel like even their day job is getting energized by it because it's doing something new. It's exercising a different part of your brain. For some people, adding this new project is something that maybe was missing from their life in a way like music. I think many people who love music, they did it a lot when they were younger. Cause when you're young, it's like you have lessons and you have band at school and your friends have a band, a a jazz band or whatever. But then as you get older, that can slip away. And I've talked to many people where like they were super busy. They have work, they have family, whatever. And then they start taking lessons again, or they have a band with their friends. I have a friend who plays the drums in an English in an english i mean in an Irish band, and they play at Irish pubs around New York City every week and it's like it's the light of his life it 's such an engine of happiness for him now you could say it's more work it's more meetings it's more you know scheduling it's less leisure, and yet it completely lights up the rest of his life so sometimes we can Sometimes we need to take things away, but sometimes we need to add something and that can be really exciting.
0: I think that's amazing. I I added guitar lessons a couple of years ago and ballroom dancing and it made me so happy.
1: See, there you go. Yeah. And did you find that it felt like the time opened up to
0: allow those things to slip in? Yeah. And it was meditative for me because those things require your full focus. So you can't Uh be tweeting or thinking of other things. You're in it because you have to learn it. And Mm -hmm. so it was a meditative process for me. And so Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. And I think we had an expert on the other day who talked about the importance of play, especially for adults. And I think what you're saying is as you become adults, you have this kind of vision of what an adult is and that doesn't Mm -hmm. include play anymore, unless you have kids and you're playing with them. But we need play still too. And that's what I think when I heard this, the novelty of something else. Like if you're burnt out over here, we also had another expert that said something similar to this. I can't remember what it was now, but adding something that's going to give you a new, a new kind of, yeah, excitement. It fills your cup in a different way because you're challenging yourself. And I always find that my best moments in my life is when I've tried something new and it's like, Oh my God, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Oh, that was awesome. Oh, okay, cool. I did it. <laughs> and so yeah. that it's in that it's in that kind of sink or swim moment where you mm-hmm. find the most elation and the most satisfaction. Yeah. And
1: that's one thing that surprised me when I was doing the happiness research is I thought I love familiarity and mastery, and the research shows that novelty and challenge make people happier, but I don't think that's true for me. And I, I found exactly what you said. Novelty and challenge are things that tend to make people happier, and it it's, can be frustrating. It can be confusing. You can feel dumb. You can feel scared, and then you get through it, and – it's often exhilarating. But here's a question to the question of play, because I've talked to many adults and they're kind not even really know what I would do for play. I have fun with my family, but it's is it really fun for the whole family. Maybe not. How do you get in touch with what's fun for you? If you don't remember, if you don't know, one of the questions to ask yourself is what did you do for fun when you were 10 years old? Mm-hmm. Because whatever you did for fun then is probably something you would enjoy now. What I did is I would copy my favorite quotations in b- blank books and then glue in an illustration that I had cut out from a magazine. I did this for hours and hours for years. I still have them all all these blank books. And now I have a Moment of Happiness newsletter where every weekday I send out one of my favorite quotations about happiness or human nature. And I get exactly the same pleasure out of copying the quotations and putting them in line. It's exactly the same thing that I did when I was 10 years old and I love it. It's just adapted to my adult life. So what did you like to do for fun when you were 10 years old?
0: I did have to do this exercise. And it was singing and playing instruments, even though I didn't have formal lessons. And I wanted to have dance classes, but we couldn't afford that. And I had to go to work with my parents when I was younger. So it was the stuff I never got to do, but always wanted to do oh, yes. that I decided to, we were janitors, and we had to go to work with my parents, and we were too poor for any of that stuff. So it was like, Oh, I never got to learn an instrument. I'm going to learn an instrument. I'm going to take ballroom dancing classes cuz I know
1: I love that. Yeah. And not saying, well, I missed my chance. Yeah. Like that that window closed.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I'll I know I loved playing sports. So pickleball is something that I love and it's the fastest-growing sport in our country anyhow, FYI, but I love activity. I love playing. And for me, I could play all day. That just makes me so happy. And yeah,
1: I have a friend who grew up poor and his parents were very, they didn't, they didn't want to buy him anything anyway. And as an adult, he said he went out one day and he just bought himself all the toys that he'd ever wanted, like all the things that he really wanted. Oh, that's funny. Said, I'm just going to buy them and have them and reclaim them for himself. Yeah. And I thought that's a beautiful gesture Yeah. to the child that you were.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So many amazing nuggets in here for people who want to access happiness, who may be overwhelmed and think that doing less is better. And of course, now we know when I'm done with this show, I'm going to have to go apologize to Jeff for trying to force my organization and cleanliness onto him. And Gretchen, this has been an amazing and one of my favorite episodes, maybe my favorite ever. So thank you. I so enjoyed
1: the
2: chance to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you.